Welcome. You're listening to Episode 2 of Widowcast from Joanne the Life Coach. Welcome, listeners. This is Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach. And today, I thought we would start covering a few other subjects. Now that um, in the last podcast, I covered my backstory, so you know me a little better, I wanted to start looking at the first few days after being widowed. One of the first things I experienced was a real sense of financial fear. And I'm sure this is not at all uncommon. The previous year, I had been laid off from my job. It was a company that had a year and a half before that bought out the company that I was the director of operations for. It was almost like an unfriendly takeover. They certainly used leverage to force the parent company to have to sell that division. And I was surprised they kept me on at all because I knew they had their own director of operations. I knew all of our employees below me were going to be perfectly safe. They needed them to continue to service the clients that they were acquiring from us. But for me, I thought I was pretty expendable. Much to my surprise, they did keep me on. A year later, they went into bankruptcy, filed chapter 13, chapter 11, whatever it is that they filed to do that reorganization. And as a result of that, they had to start uh, reducing the workforce. And I made it through the first reduction, much to my surprise, and then through the second and the third and the fourth. But they finally got around to me (laughs) and laid me off. At the time, it felt awful awful because I was 60 years old. I thought, who is going to hire me at this point? Jim kept telling me not to worry about it, that I should just retire, that we were fine on his retirement income and I really didn't have to work. Um, But I would remind him if anything happens to you, there's no income. So (laughs) I don't know that I'm, if it's really a good idea for me to hang up my spurs immediately here. So at the time, it was upsetting. In hindsight, it was such a gift that I had been laid off. I believe it was in August that they laid me off. It meant I had the last five months of Jim's life with him, that we had a lot of time together because I wasn't working. He had been retired for years. We got even closer, if that's possible. Um, And as I said, we spent a lot of time together and I was much more relaxed about it, calmer because I didn't have work stress. So oftentimes we have a life change like that that feels devastating. And when you look back at it, you can see the gift that it was once you get the distance on it. So that one was really a gift. Unfortunately, when Jim passed away, And he passed away on the evening of December 29th, 2014. And when he passed away that December, 
All of his retirement income, of course, stopped. There were no survivor benefits for it because he had retired and set that up before we had even met. And he certainly did not expect to ever be married again. (laughs) So um, there were no survivor benefits whatsoever. I had no job, even though a company had reached out to me um, in November saying that the CEO and sales manager were buying the company out from the owner. And in speaking with the parent company that used to own my old company, they said, um, you need Joanne Philomena because she will most certainly spot what's broken in the company and show you how to fix it. So I had a real good opportunity there. They had said they were going to hire me, that they were going to get an offer letter out to me. But it wasn't coming, wasn't coming, and I understand that because they were going through the process of their own acquisition of the company first. Um, And from November through December, Jim would come home after being out in the morning and race into my office and say, do we have an offer letter yet? (laughs) And I would say, no, not yet, not yet. So he knew it was coming too, and he was excited for me. But it hadn't come, it hadn't come. He passed away. There was suddenly no income. And when I contacted the teacher's retirement about medical coverage, they said, oh, good news. We continue your coverage for the entire month that he passed away in. But then he passed away December 29th, which means I was covered December 30th and 31st. And after that, there was nothing. So I had no medical coverage at that point in time. I was a little panicked. And I imagine that as a widow, I was definitely not alone with that. It has to be very common when your spouse passes away and that income goes away, unless you're already pretty well set up, it's going to cause some panic you're going to have that inner bag lady just jumping up and down saying, oh my God, we're going to be living out of a shopping cart. I know I sure did. And I even had a little guilt about that because I didn't want to talk about it to people. I didn't want them to think I was callous and not in pain from losing my husband, that all I was thinking about was money. But the truth was, as much pain as I was in, as much grief as I was in at his passing, that financial fear was just palpable at the time. It was terrible. Finally, after Jim had passed away, I did eventually get that offer letter. And I was so thankful. I didn't even negotiate it. I didn't argue a thing. I signed it. I sent it back. I was just really happy to have a job and to have income. So financial fear, real, understandable. Don't feel guilty for a minute that money comes to mind right after your loved one passes away because it it's just, it's real. And it's something you do have to think about. There are all those implications. Shortly after he passed away, maybe like two days after he passed away, I started trying to take care of business. I thought I was just going to do all the things you're supposed to do when someone dies. 
I was still pretty much in shock at that <laughs> at that time. So, you know, I just made myself my little checklist. And one of the first things on the checklist was to call and let places know they could take his name off of things because he passed away. So I called Discover, which was our main credit card that we used. Now I know all about making sure your name is jointly on everything. And we pretty much had, but it never occurred to us to have the Discover bill come with both of our names on it. It was the card Jim had when I married him over 20 years before, got me a card. It had been our main card. We just automatically put everything on the Discover card, paid it all off at the end of every month. And it gave us a record of how much we spent each month because Almost every single expenditure would be on that Discover card, and we could track our budget that way. Well, I called Discover um, to tell them that Jim had passed away, um, to have his name removed from the Discover account, thinking that my name would then just be on the Discover account and I would be responsible for it. Heck, I was the one that always signed the check that paid the bills for years for that and the lady polite me, you know, said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Put me on hold. And when she came back, she said, okay, I've closed that account out now. And I said, excuse me? What do you, what do you mean you closed the account? And she said, well, I've closed that account out. He's, he passed away. He was the primary on the account. And I said, well, but gosh, we have a lot of things that automatically bill to our Discover card. And now when they try to get paid, that's going to bounce. What, what am I going to do? And she said, oh, do you need your own Discover account? I'll happily transfer you to a, our new account division. Yep. So she transferred me. I know I probably should have told them to shove it. <laughs> a lot of people have told me that after the fact. But remember, I was still pretty wrapped up in cotton and gauze. And all I could think was, heck, yeah, I need a Discover card. How, you know, and I, I was frantically trying to think of all the places that just automatically build to the Discover card, like our our Easy Pass for in New York, they just automatically pay tolls and it would automatically recharge from the Discover card. My cell phone automatically just billed to the Discover card. Everything we could possibly have billed to it, we did because it was... The Discover account was like our record keeping for our budget. So I was transferred to the new account division and I had to go through everything to open up a, a new account with Discover card in my name. And after I got through that, I hung up the phone and I sat there and I looked at my list of stuff to do and I took a deep breath and thought, I can't do another thing. I couldn't. I was terrified. I was terrified to contact anybody else or anything else because, good God, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, look what Discover just did to me. So um, I kind of frantically got online to a few things that automatically bill to the Discover card and got the new Discover card number on them so that they wouldn't turn off my cell phone or not have any money on my Easy Pass. Um, and then I pulled out our wills that we had had made, and I called the lawyer that set up our wills for us to say, I think I need help. I, I didn't think I was going to need a lawyer for any of this, but Jim passed away, 
on the 29th and I called Discover and they closed my account and I just don't know what to do now. I'm afraid to call anybody. And uh, the lawyer who had taken care of setting up our wills was wonderfully patient, reassured me. He was a little disgusted. He said Discover Card didn't have to handle it in that manner. They didn't have to close that account. And it was unfortunate that they did. Um, but I certainly didn't need to pull his name off of anything yet. Nothing would go through probate. He said, you'll know if it needs to go through probate. But right now, everything is just fine. I asked him about Jim's car because Jim had just gone and bought that little car himself. So it didn't have my name on it. And he said, it's all right in New York, because you are his surviving spouse, you can sign, if you sell it, you can sign off on it and sign sign the uh, registration over and you just put surviving spouse in parentheses next to it when you sign that over to someone else that's buying the car. So he was very reassuring, spent about 40 minutes on the phone with me. I was more than willing to pay for those 40 minutes of advice, but God bless him, I was never invoiced for that phone call. And I always thought, lawyers, boy, they calculate every minute you talk to them and they bill it out. Um, I don't have his name handy. I should pull the card out and let people know because this company, this legal office, I will never do business with anyone else but them. They were awesome. So all those financial fears, things you have to deal with, don't rush into it and take your time. There's plenty of time to switch things over and don't feel bad for feeling that financial fear. And at any point, I mean, we, all of us, once you're alone, that inner bag lady, man, she kicks up a fuss and we all have her. I think so. We all think that, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm going to end up living on the street and how am I going to survive? A friend of mine tells a story about discussing her inner bag lady with a friend and told her and her friend said, oh, I have my inner bag lady too, living in a cardboard box. And she said, yours has a box? <laughs> like, wow, that's one up on my inner bag lady. Once you become a widow, you also find that people are strange. People are really strange and you're going to get just about every reaction under the sun. People who were close before might pull away because suddenly you are a reminder of their own mortality, which is unfortunate. It's really sad when that happens. But on the flip side, there are people who are so wonderful I've even had a couple of neighbors that I barely ever spoke to, you know, maybe a couple times, show up at my door. One, a, a gentleman that lives down the street, he's all alone, and he showed up with a um, coffee roll cake thing <laughs> to give me, just said, you know, I'm so sorry, gave me the cake. He was a little awkward about it, but what a sweet thing for him to have such a heart to want to come to me with, with a pastry ring to give me and just to let me know, you know, say if there's anything you need, you come down and bang on my door. And a neighbor lady I had only talked to a couple times showed up on my doorstep with this beautiful apple bread that she makes. 
of apple cake, apple bread. She gave me the foil package. It was all bundled up. It was January and didn't come in, but just wanted to say, honey, I heard, and I'm so sorry. Once I tasted that, I went right back down to her house. I think a couple days later, I showed up on her doorstep and said, I need that recipe, Susan. (laughs) I need that recipe. Basically, I, for the first few days, I didn't even think to eat, which has never happened to me before in my life. I've always had weight issues, hence I'm a weight coach because boy, do I understand that background. And after Jim passed away, I found for the first few days there that I, I I wasn't that I didn't have an appetite or I thought, oh, I can't eat. I just forgot. I just didn't do it until somebody showed up and said, you know, here's food. Or if I went to meet someone for lunch, then I would have food in front of me and I would start eating it and it would be wonderful. Like, this is really good. And I would eat it all. But then I would go home and I would not eat again for, you know, another day because I just wouldn't think to eat. All that ended when Susan brought me the apple bread. (laughs) Because when I took a slice of that, it was amazing. And I ate and ate and ate on that apple bread probably responsible for some of the weight I gained after Jim passed away. Susan, in her sweetness, absolutely shared the recipe with me. I went back up there with my iPhone because she said, oh, honey, I have the recipe taped to the wall in my kitchen because I make it for everybody. So I went there with my iPhone and I took pictures of the recipe so I could come home and copy it out. It's still delicious. Mine does not taste like hers. Nobody's tastes like hers. I don't know what she does. But Susan, if you're listening, honey, that is the best apple bread on the planet. It is. So yeah, people just kind of come from all different directions. And you just don't know what to think about that. There is someone in my family that I've been want to say estranged from, but I really don't talk to her anymore because she's too much work. (laughs) She's just too much work for me. And it's better if I keep my distance. And um, she called me a few days after Jim had passed away um, and was lovely to chat. But she right away wanted to say, "Um, I'm flying. I'm flying there. I'm coming. And I said, well, no. (laughs) No, because in my mind, I'm thinking, she thinks because my husband died, everything is suddenly different now. And she can just fly here and, you know, be just like things were before. When Jim being alive or Jim being dead had absolutely nothing to do with the situation. It really kind of threw me. Um, And I had a lot of examples of people just being very strange. But you have to understand that for all of them, their heart is good. Their heart is in the right place. Even if they can't talk to you anymore, if they're people who are friends and you don't hear from them anymore, it's because you're, you're now a reminder of their own mortality and they just don't even know what to say to you. It's very uncomfortable for a lot of people 
to deal with the idea of death and to know someone has passed away. They can't confront it. And then there are people who are just so loving and so special. We have a family friend who had been friends with Jim since they were little tiny guys. Their whole lives, they were best friends. And he has been such a source of support, even from afar. He lives all the way on the other side of the country. Um, he was out on this side a few weeks after Jim passed away and met up with me to buy me dinner. And it was just lovely. It was so lovely to talk to him and um, actually get to know him a little better than ever before. Because when he would come visit, being Jim's old buddy, I would just fall into the background because, you know, they wanted to have their buddy time. But he has just been a lovely friend and shared his grief with me because it really hit him hard when Jim passed away too. So beautiful, beautiful people. For what you're feeling, there are no rules. People talk about, oh, those stages of grief. I just wanted to punch people in the face when they would bring up the stages of grief. Because it was like, you have no idea. You have no idea. There are no set stages for grief. There's no set stage for how you're supposed to feel. And your feelings go all over the place. They're so mixed up. Whatever you feel after your spouse dies is okay. It's all okay. It doesn't matter if you're having, if you're really romanticizing them and romanticizing your entire memory of them, that's fine. If you are angry with them for dying, that's fine. There are widows that have their spouse passed away, pass away, and then they find out things that they didn't know before, like maybe another lady in their life, and they are filled with anger, understandable. You can feel disappointment. I think I felt all those things at once. I was angry at Jim for dying. I was disappointed. I loved him intensely. It, I, it was just the whole spectrum, the whole spectrum at once. And it wasn't like, oh, well, you move from this to denial, to this, to anger, through this. Forget about that. It's whatever you're feeling, let yourself feel it because it's fine. It's fine, whatever you feel. I even went through a stage early on where I felt like I was angry because I felt maybe he didn't love me enough. And I know that sounds crazy, but I really went there in my mind that he didn't love me enough. He didn't love me as much as I loved him. And it, it took me a while to get past that and realize what it was I was experiencing. And it wasn't necessarily there any truth in there. I was just moving through that stage of emotion. As a matter of fact, there was a time when, as I told you, Jim used to talk about dying all the time. And I think it's because men in his family um, had, did die early he knew he had the artery issues. He would tell his friend, John, that whenever John was by to visit, this may be the last time you see me. So when he would talk about, you know, Joanne, I'm, I'm 
going to just drop one of these days. And I would say promises, promises. And there was one time in the kitchen when he was just annoying the devil out of me. And I got really ticked off at him about something. I can't even remember what now. But I turned to him and I said, when you die, I want to remember just how ticked off I am right now at you. I am not going to romanticize and, oh, our relationship was so special. I'm going to remember just how ticked off I am right now. And thankfully, he had the same sixth sense of humor that I do because he laughed about that. He thought that was hilarious. And you know what? After he passed away, I remember that moment in the kitchen so clearly. I can't remember what it was I was ticked off about, but I can remember feeling angry enough with him to say, I'm going to remember this after you die. And I really stayed in touch with that in the early days after he passed away because I thought, no, I don't want to romanticize this. I want to remember our relationship for exactly what it was because it was wonderful. It was a spectacular relationship. But there were also days, yeah, when he would annoy me, we would be mad at each other. It happens in relationships, and I wanted to keep all of it. I wanted to remember all of it, all the warts, all the up days, all the down days, everything added up to what we shared together, and I didn't want to forget any any part of it at all. So I held on to that. So do know that whatever you're feeling, even if you're a day away, a week away, months away, years away, those emotions still sweep through you. And there's no reason to feel guilty for any emotion that you feel. There's no reason to try to hold back or resist any emotion that comes to you. Let it sweep over to you. Let it be part of sweet grief. Because as those emotions sweep through, there's always the light on the other side of it. And there's always joy still to be found in your life on the other side of it. So thank you for listening. I hope you'll continue to share this with your friends and with any other widows you know. Please do reach out to me. Tell me your story. Send me feedback. I love to hear from you. I would love to share some feedback from some of you in future episodes. You can write to me at Joanne, J-O-A-N-N, at JoanneTheLifeCoach.com. Now, go find some joy in your life. Until next time.